Hallelujah. Good evening, good evening, everybody. Praise God. Let me scan you. Praise God. Make sure everybody's doing good. Brother Chris looks like he's going to behave tonight. Miss Margaret is there to make sure that uh, that happens, right? <laughs> Amen. Praise God. But uh, glory to God. We want to welcome everyone participating tonight uh, online. We know it's sort of vacation season and that kind of thing, so not sure if we got any of our church family out doing that tonight, but uh, praise God, or playing hooky, or watching on the couch, or whatever they're doing, so <laughs> amen. Uh, so good to see everybody. I want to invite you to go ahead and turn over in your Bibles tonight to, uh, excuse me, Isaiah 48, and that's where we'll be to get ready to receive our offering, and uh, praise God. Exciting things are happening. A lot of great things are happening. So uh, wonderful to uh, uh, just come up here and hear the sounds of progress. I, I Just for me, I just love it. So uh, praise God. Now we haven't uh, set a policy or made any announcements about you know accessing the back drive. Who should do that? Because it's going to spit you out in a kind of a restricted area. Uh, so anyway, we'll, we'll figure all that out. But uh, if you feel like pulling back there, you can. Uh, just to check it out anyway. Uh, but uh, it's really nice. Really nice back there, and got a lot of, lot of more work coming to dress that up, make it nice for, uh, really for the week, for business staff, counseling appointments, uh, church staff, daycare staff, is going to be great. So anyway, there is a new round of envelopes out there for special projects for the July, for July, and it's kind of a landmark uh, moment for us because we're shifting away from the children's church into the office suite, and so... From here forward, your special projects offer, and the reason for that is, is that whatever we are remaining to do in the children's church as we prepare to open on July the 11th, we have all the money for that. So thank you so very much for giving and your faithfulness, and we're so grateful to God for how he has blessed uh, our church and our ministry and uh, the daycare operation, everything that God's using to fund things around here. And if you're connected to it, you're in that flow. Amen. And so, praise God, you know what flows down from the head on Jesus gets down on the body, right? Amen. And uh, so, anyway, we're real excited about that. And so, as you take your envelope, begin to believe God for our special projects for the end of July is when we receive that offering. What you're going to do is we, uh, most of the uh, work back there is funded by our loan refinance. And so, that is 100%. But there are some things that we just pur purposely left out to just keep our debt down. Uh, right, because our intent is to pay the entire campus off. Uh, amen. And uh, so uh, we're believing God this uh, this month for all the flooring material that we're going to need, about 1,500 square feet for that. Uh, the tile work, uh, you know, in the refreshment area, bathroom area, uh, it's going to get quite a bit of tile work. And so we're believing God for that. Brett's not here tonight. He's resting, trying to think of other things. It, it's on the envelope. Praise God if you got one. Uh, $7,000 goal, it'll all come to pass, right? It'll all come to pass. And uh, we get that going, we're going to, uh, you know, take you on a tour back there or whatever. And uh, anyway, just a lot of good, exciting things uh, happening. Praise God. I know we've said a lot about it, but we want to continue to. Uh, we are receiving deposits uh, for our men's retreat in October, October 3rd through the 7th. There is, I don't think we're anywhere near it yet. We probably have about 10 slots left. And uh, so, uh, but uh, we got a lot more 10 guys, you know, that could sign up. So if you're thinking about it, uh, we're not trying to prefer anybody over there. It's kind of first come, first serve. Uh, we don't want you sleeping on the granite countertop, you know, praise God. So if you want a place to sleep, 
uh, in the lodge. You need to get your uh, $50 deposit in and, uh, and get that done. So we also have uh, one scholarship uh, that's available. Somebody said, I want to I sponsor uh, you know, a guy that, uh, that maybe finances are a little bit of a stretch for him. So, uh, hey, don't, don't be proud. Don't be proud. Amen. We want you there. And if you're walking through some things financially, it's obviously completely confidential. And uh, praise God, take advantage of the generosity that's, you know, the provision that's laying out there. First come, first serve on that. So, uh, amen. Now, if you can pay, you should, right? Let somebody, yeah. So, amen. Well, let's, uh, let's look at this. The Lord had uh, prompted me about this verse this afternoon. And it's uh, Isaiah 48, verse number 17. Reading from the New King James, it says, Thus says the Lord your Redeemer. Hey, when your Lord and your Redeemer speaks up, we ought to pay attention, right? Thus says the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God. Now what does He do? Who teaches you to profit. Now if profit wasn't the will of God, why would the Lord, our Redeemer, be teaching us to profit? I mean, this stuff isn't hard, is it, church? It's just really not hard. It's really not hard. And uh, praise God. Uh, you'd have to have a Ph.D. to help you mess this up. The Bible says that our God, He is our God, He is our Redeemer, and He is, one of the things He wants to teach you is how to increase. Amen. How to profit. Yeah, you know what profit is, right? Profit is making something and then paying everything related to that, and the profit is everything you have left over. So this tells us it is not okay with God that you pay your bills and have zero balance. That's, that's not the will of God. Thank God for that. Right? Thank God for that. But God wants you to pay everything that you have. Come on. Pay all your obligations and demands and profit besides. Have money besides. But notice, well, notice what this says here. He teaches you. He teaches you. Are we looking for, paying attention to, expecting, looking unto the Lord in this area? Now, uh, in the New King James, uh, the, excuse me, the, the Spirit-Filled Study Life Bible, I don't know if we have any of these left in the bookstore. We did get a few. So this is the study Bible I recommend right here. And uh, so anyway, in the commentary, it gives you occasionally a word wealth. It'll give you the definition of the Hebrew word on some interesting passages. In this one, it tells us what this word teaches means in the Hebrew. Listen to what it says. It says it means to instruct. That, that's obvious. To train. You know, you got to be trained by God. He wants to train you. To profit. In other words, we're not born again into the kingdom just knowing this. But the Lord wants to, He doesn't just want to train you to pray and train you to be holy. He wants you to train you to profit. Amen. But then the next definitional words in, this de, in the Hebrew are very interesting. It means to instruct, like I said. It means to train. Notice this. Then it says it means to prod. It means to goad. It means to teach. It means to cause someone to learn. And then the uh, authors here uh, 
you know, they just make comment about it. They say the origin of the verb can be traced to the goading of cattle. Isn't that funny? God's got to goad you to profit. He's got to goad you and prod you. But that, can, you, can you feel that in the spirit? Increase, sweetie. Come up. Here's how to do it. Go that way. Go that way. Do this. Get your tithe in. <laughs> Sow your seed. And sometimes, when you, when, if you're, now I want you to, just in a new way, and you're going around in your fellowship with God, look for. Say, God, apparently you've been trying to teach me to profit. I don't think I've been paying it. My checkbook says I've not been paying attention. But I'm going to start paying attention. And if there's a prodding, if there's a nudging to do something on the inside, to go a certain way, check that out. Don't override it. Don't, don't pull that leading up in your head and go, well, I'm not qualified for that job. Or uh, I don't have any experience. So I'm not even going to apply. You know, I'm not going to start that business. So, you know, they all fail anyway. No, come on. God's on the inside of you. Amen. And, and he may say when you're, if you're, you know, he may say, don't buy that. Don't buy that. Set that money aside. Tell yourself no. Get yourself, you know, he could prod you along in a lot of different things. But I wanted to just highlight this to you. I, I like the, how the verse ends. So I'll just read it again. It says, thus the Lord says the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches, who prods you to profit, who goads you to profit. Now notice the last phrase, who leads you, who leads you by the way that you should go. So again, remember me talking to you about Psalm 23 and the Lord is your shepherd. If he's your shepherd, you won't want, you won't lack. But see, if he's your shepherd, he's leading you. So here's another verse linking profit and prosperity, Bible prosperity, with the leading of the Lord. So much of the time we're focused on my needs, my needs. God, you meet my needs. God, I have a need, meet my need. That's true, sweetie, but to get that need met, he's got to work in this realm, and he needs you to cooperate with him. Let him lead you. It is right to quote the promises. Jesus, or excuse me, God the Father, He authored your blessing, your prosperity. Jesus paid for your prosperity. But it's the Holy Spirit's job to lead you into it. So it could be, it could be really thought of accurately this way. The degree of real, I mean real, not false. Not, not prosperity gained by the, just the fleshly work of your brow. I'm talking about Bible prosperity. The reflection of that or the absence of it in our life is a reflection of how well we're being led. How skillful are we in, in hearing from God and being led by the Spirit? And none of us have been perfect in that, but we can all pick up. God's on the inside of you and He knows how to speak. He knows how to lead. We just have to pay attention. And the more we cooperate with those proddings, the more He's going to prod you toward, toward blessing. He's going to prod you toward increase. Amen? So when you sense that, don't, don't be like that mule that bucks, oh, bless God, nobody's going to, no, come on. Just, just, just let him lead you. Just, 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 just walk over there where he told you to go and eat on that good grass. Come on. Amen? 
Isn't that a good verse? Praise God. I, I don't have time. Well, I won't take time. I have time. I won't take the time. You ought to read on your own time those next several verses because it goes on and warns. He said, oh, if you'd have listened to me. Oh, if you'd have listened to me, your peace would have run like a river. Other translations say your blessing, your prosperity would just run like a flowing stream, but you wouldn't listen. You wouldn't obey me. You wouldn't pay any attention to me. And so you had to go without. Amen. Let's let the Lord lead us. Let's let the Lord lead us. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, the Lord led us to start a daycare. There's many-sided blessing to that, but one of them is profit. He led me to profit. And the kingdom, the church, is funded. I'm not having to come to you for a lot of things I used to have to come to you for. Because God put in a, a flow, a, 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 a funding mechanism to add, that's added to us. And all the other wonderful blessings that go along with it. How did we get there? Somebody had to be led. I'm not bragging on me, by the way, either. I'm not. But amen, you just, just learn to pay attention to your insights. Amen. And all of us, whether you got an, uh, a prodding or not, we ought to be able, the word ought to, we ought to let the word it's, the word is a prod. <laughs> and it tells us what to do. And we know, we know these things, right? So we want to give you a chance to act on that. Bring your tithe, bring your offering. Don't forget we have a, an orphanage in India that we join with many other churches and believers around, really, the United States in supporting. And uh, the orphanage there in India. Uh, don't forget you could always designate a little something in your offering during the month. And we, we just faithfully send that over there. Amen? Amen. Father, we come before you tonight. And uh, I, I pray for all of us, but I pray for those specifically that uh, are, are dealing with some financial challenges. That God, you live on the inside of them. And you speak. You don't speak as a man might speak. But you speak with those proddings, those promptings, those urgings, those leadings on the inside. And I just thank you, Father God, if need be to turn up the volume on that, make it a little stronger. I thank you, Father God, that uh, you're, you're our shepherd and you're leading all of us into green pastures and life and making us to lie down in green pastures. And I just so thank you, Father, for meeting every need represented here in this place. God, the need of every business, uh, the need of the company that these precious ones are working for. Glory to God, whatever that may be. Uh, the need of their family, their ministry. I just so thank you for a flow of abundance and increase coming into their life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I do believe we're all family tonight. You know how we give. So I'm going to go ahead and open up the altars. Praise God. And you can bring your tithe, your offering.
on me. Praise the Lord. Well, let's bow our heads. Father, we come before you tonight. We uh, yield ourselves up to you. We set our faces like flint uh, to hook up with uh, the focus of ministry right now, the teaching and ministry of the word. Father, open up our hearts. Uh, we purpose to have eyes that see, but we need you to help us with that. And we ask you to. We, we decide and purpose as much as is within us to have ears that hear. And we need your help with that. So thank you, Holy Spirit, for enlightening us unto the word. And stirring up within us, working within us both to will and to do of your own good pleasure. We thank you, Father, that we are doers of the word. And because we are, we're blessed in our deed. I thank you, Father God, for helping us in these things. In Jesus' name, help me tonight. I'm reaching for the, a fuller measure of that pastoral office on my life, that mantle on my life, not for my good, but for the people's good. And so let me minister tonight, as it were, the very oracles of God and give me the tongue of the learned to speak a word in due season unto these your precious people. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, uh, glory to God. Last week, uh, in response to something the Spirit of God had said to us, uh, I don't know how many of us were uh, there that Sunday in uh, the first part of June when we had our Sunday afternoon prayer time. How many of you were there for that? Uh, and you heard that tongue and interpretation come forth where God spoke to us. I think uh, last Wednesday I made a paper copy available of that, and I can do that again if you need one. But God began to speak to our whole congregation and to me about prayer and the necessity of prayer, the priority of prayer, the place of prayer. And let us know, he wasn't, it wasn't any sense of irritation with him, uh, but just a, a challenge and an admonition that because of where he has for us, not me, us to go as a local church, as a local body, we needed to heed and to come up, come up in, in prayer in a great many ways. So I, I want to take a moment. It's, it's a long paragraph, but so it's just a paragraph. And uh, to read this to you, you could just listen. So uh, Sister Joy yielded to the Spirit, spoke in tongues. That's a gift of the Spirit. I uh, uh, am used often uh, to interpret those things. And by the Holy Ghost, and this is what came out. God said the plan. Now, pray it forward is what we call that time of prayer. We're playing for praying for the ministry, praying for the plan of God for the church to go forward. So that's what he's referring to. The plan requires more of this prayer, says the Lord. The plan requires more intercession. It requires more supplication. It requires more time and more people. Now that's where you come in. Is that right? It requires more time and more people. He said it again, more time and more people. So there must be, there must be, Dr. Cody, a renewed and energized prayer program. There must be a more organized and concerted effort to move people into times of prayer. Now the program, hearing from him, that's not on your side, that's on my side. Amen? But your side would be ready to cooperate. Amen? Into however the Lord would lead me. Uh, glory to God. And so I kind of stopped. I'm internally thinking about what he had just said. And he said, there must be a more organized and concerted effort to move people into times of prayer. Bring prayer to the forefront. Bring prayer. Do what you, I'll lead you. So he's talking to me. I'll help you. But make it an effort, Dr. Cody. You make it an effort to bring prayer 
to get it into people. Are you open tonight? You got ears to hear what the Holy Ghost would say? Amen. Because I asked him, I said, Father, how do I get it into people? You know, let me, let me go back. I lost my place there. Make it an effort to get it into people that prayer must be at the forefront of who we are and what we value and what we do. Because we cannot get, you will not get where I have for you to go if you don't pray. If you don't spend time, if you don't seek my face and inquire of me. And yea, it's not, it, uh, it's not just up to your pastor. It's not up to the pastor's family, meaning alone. But you must be faithful. You must be faithful to come to meetings like this, to opportunities like this. But oh yes, to be sensitive to me, yes, throughout the day, throughout the week, to bring your supply to the plan. For one day you will be held to account and you'll stand before my son in judgment. And part of what we're going to talk about is why did you neglect? Amen. Or you'll be rewarded for the supply that you brought to the plan of God in prayer. Amen. And so believe you me that I am talking to the Father about this. He said he would help me. Amen. And I, I was able to jot down some ideas that I believe were quickened to me and things that I'm pondering and thinking about, uh, about things that we could do to give you more opportunities to Amen. move into a place of prayer. Amen. And it doesn't always have to be up here. Right. Amen. Right. Amen. But um, really, really, if you look at this with me and think about this, he's talking about kind of a change in culture. You know, every church takes on its own flow, doesn't it? It takes on its own culture, if you will. And we have a good culture, but, you know, he's saying prayer needs to be a much more part of who we are. That's kind of definitional, uh, you know, uh, that people would come uh, from outside and they would quickly be able to say, this is a praying people. This is a praying church. And I'm okay with that. Amen. And, uh, but it's going to take some changing of thinking and some cooperation and some time. And so one of the ways I know just by experience to get anything into God's people is to minister on that subject. I've learned as a pastor, I get what I preach on. Amen. So I need you all to be healthy and well. So I need to preach on healing, living strong, redeemed from sickness. I want you to live... Uh, you know, victorious over attacks of the enemy and to know that you have authority and how to be skillful with that authority. So if I want that to be in you, I have to preach on that. On Sundays, we've, we've just launched out into a topic on faith. Well, I want you to be a faith people. I want your faith to be strong. So I'm going to minister on that. So to get prayer into you, amen. Glory to God, we're going to minister along that line. So turn back over to Philippians chapter 1, just quick, and we'll, we'll read sort of a text scripture. Uh, amen. That uh, we read last week, Philippians chapter 1, verse 10. It's, it's great in a, uh, like a King James or New King James, but it is so good in the Amplified. It is so wonderful in the Amplified. So that is the rendering that I'll read it to you in is this Amplified Translation. If you don't have that, they'll probably put that on the screen for you. And so a prayer, Paul begins a prayer, and it's recorded in verse 9, so we're picking it up uh, sort of, and now I'm hot and ringing uh, up on the mic, Brother Mark. 
and he's just continuing this in verse 10. Let's look and see what uh, the Spirit of God has inspired Paul to pray for Christians. And so Paul says, I'm praying so that you may surely learn to sense what is vital and to approve and apprise what is excellent and of real value, recognizing the highest and the best. You know, there are things that you and I engage in and take part in every day, and they're not all equal. I'm, I'm really glad and you're, that you, I'm sure, hope, brushed your teeth today. It's got its place. Don't leave home without it. You know what I mean? We're, we're, we're glad you did. But is that the highest of all human activities? It's just part of the maintenance of life. Amen. Work. As essential as work is. Right? As prominent of a place as it has in all of our lives. Is that the highest? It's not the highest. God's got more for you than living to work. Don't be content to live to work. And some people, they live to work so much, they have no time, no energy left for their walk with God, for their spiritual development. They're not developing spiritually. They're not taking time to be around their man of God. They're not fellowshipping with other believers. They're missing meetings. And they excuse it all. And they put it all on work. Listen, do not make work an idol. You know, the Bible talks a whole lot about idolatry. And we really think in America that we don't have a problem with idols. We don't worship statues. But America is seeped in idolatry. It's, it's huge in the church. You know, if you go, if you do a, a Bible word search on idols or idolatry, and, and just surf through some of those scriptures, Old and New Testament, you're gonna find out God has strong feelings about that. It's in the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt have no other God before me. And just because you're not thinking about something like you don't have Zeus in your life. You don't have Jupiter in your life. You don't worship the sun or the moon. You might just worship work. I know I'm not preaching to the choir tonight. Out there on the camera, you might... Out there on the podcast, right? right? But we have to, you know, we who, have, we who are, are, are doing right, we, we need to take inventory. What is an idol? An idol would be anything, anything. It could be an intangible thing. Anything that has first place in your life. Or anything that you have put in front of God. So it could be your business. It could be a hobby. It could be a relationship. A girlfriend. A boyfriend. Sports. Amen. Uh, praise God. And, and we have to, we should judge ourselves. God is a jealous God. And He is not content to be anything but first. But first in your life. And you can't just say, God's first. That doesn't cut it. You know a tree by its fruit. 
if God is first, it's going to show up in, a, in, in areas that we can all see. It's going to show up in your church attendance. It's going to show up in uh, how fast you're wearing out a Bible. It's going to show up in how hungry you are to, to serve. It's, it's going to show up in your checkbook and what you're funding. Amen. The Bible talks in Revelation about the outcome of idol worshipers, and it, their destination is not heaven. And I think, I, think a, I don't want to make it people afraid, but if you do an honest survey of passages of Scripture, people who practice idolatry are not going to make it. All idolatry, right? They're going to end up in the same place as liars and fornicators. The Western mind and the Western Christian mind is really needing, and that's not my message tonight, but really, we really need a wake up call. Because I, I really do think most Christians have been taught that what's, what's come out of mainstream pulpits across America is that if, in, if at any time in your life you can remember being dunked in water and you prayed a prayer when you were four, that it doesn't matter what you did with the rest of your life, you're going to make it. That is not true. I said that is not true. You have to live for Him. I said you have to live for Him. Are you living for Him? Okay. Hallelujah. Go with me. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It may not get to my subject, Deacon Russell, but it's the subject. It may not be on my notes, but it's the subject. Hallelujah. There's a book I recommend. It's from uh, Brother John Bevere. And it's called Driven by Eternity. And if you've not read that book, you should get it and read it. It will slap you across the face if you're deceived in this area. It starts off with a fictional narrative that will really awaken you to this issue. And then he spends the rest of the book teaching what the Bible actually says about who's going to heaven and who's not. Is it true that all you have to do is say out of your mouth and believe in your heart one time that I, I repent of my sin, I ask Jesus to be my Savior, and it doesn't matter the, what you do the rest of your life, and you're going. You have to rip out whole pages out of many places in your New Testament to believe that. Now, I'm not saying that we're insecure in our salvation. And we are saved by grace through faith. But the, the, the text of the Scriptures is so very plain. Amen? So, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we'll, we'll look at a passage here to illustrate what I'm talking about. Verse number 9. It says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be what? 
Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, let's stop. We don't talk like that anymore, do we? The word fornicator, the word that, that word fornication is a word that simply means engaging in sexual immorality. What is sexual immorality? Anything sexual outside of the boundaries of marriage is fornication. So if you're living with someone, you're cohabitating, you're having one night stands, you know, you're watching porn. There's a whole folder of stuff that we don't need to dive off into that fits into that category. Right? So the Bible is just explicit in the New Testament. Neither fornicators. What's the next word? Tell me again what idolatry is. Anything. Anything. Anyone. That you have in your life ahead of God. That's your idol. Nor adulterers. What's the New Testament definition of adultery? He who looks upon a woman to lust after her is guilty. Oh, Jesus. I thought we were going to talk about prayer. You want to talk about prayer now, don't you? (laughs) Nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor the covetous. What's driving people to work so much that they don't even have time to come to church? A love of money, an insatiable, un- unbalanced desire for money. Please don't text me later saying, oh my God, Pastor, I'm sorry. You're not. Listen, having to work a shift on a Wednesday night, that, that's not what he's talking about. I just said, you, you and God have to know who's first. Who's first? I'm not your judge. Amen. But I am responsible and will to answer to Jesus for your souls. I want you to know these verses are in here. Nor covetous, nor drunks. Nor revelers. Those are, this is, reveler is a party life. Party, party, party. New Orleans. Party, party. Okay? Nor extortioners. Now notice this list. He says, do not be deceived. None of them will what? Inherit the kingdom of God. And uh, uh, and such were some of you, like me. But you were washed. Come on, aren't you glad? You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. But how could, in this list, this word doesn't mean I stumbled and fell one time. That's not what this means. Any Christian, unfortunately, they could stumble and fall and commit a gross sin. But when that happens, the Spirit convicts and we go to God and we confess that. This scripture is talking about a practicing of, a habit of. But I know a great many Christians, they think they're all right with God. They come to church every Sunday. But they, they practice this. Let's go over to Ephesians chapter 5. Yeah. 
I've had some people in my office over the last year, just different occasions, reading these verses to them, you can see their eyes get real big because they think they're all right. You want to know why they think they're all right? Because way back there at VBS, they said a prayer. No. Mm -mm. You know, there's this passage in Revelation, Deacon Russell, uh, where Jesus himself said, you do this and this, and I'll just take my eraser, and I'll blot your name right out of the Lamb's Book of Life. I'll just erase it right out. And then every curse that's in this book from beginning to end, I'm going to put that on your life, and you'll just go to hell. That's, that's the Cody translation. But Jesus, our Lord, he just said that. He said, your name's in there, and I'm going to take my eraser, and I'm just going to scratch it right out. I'm just going to erase it right out of there. Revelation chapter 22. That's pretty sober stuff, right? That's pretty serious stuff. Amen. The seeker-sensitive church won't tell you this. They're going to get up and put smoke out there, nice concert lights, and they're going to tell you how sweet you are and how much God loves you and, and you know, and how, and how everybody's going to make it. Give you about a little 30-minute sermonette. Cool videos. Send you on your way. And they fill their auditoriums doing that. But their congregation really is a... It's a house of rebellion. You start preaching to the word to that crew, and they're they're out of there. They, they're out of there for that. They don't want that. How many is there anybody in this room wants the truth? <laughs> okay. Amen. Ephesians chapter five. And uh, praise God. Let me let me find this. Glory to God. Verse number three, but fornication, there's that word again, and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Right there in your, right there in your, your agape, lovey-dovey New Testament. Let's go to one more verse over in Hebrews. Anybody shaking in their boots yet? You don't have to shake in your boots. God loves you. I'm not practicing these things. I'm not afraid, of, I'm not afraid of losing my salvation. We're not losing our salvation. But I tell you what. If you just know that you know that you know what you're up to, and you've read enough of the Bible, you've heard enough of me or some other preacher, and you walk off into the world, you just walk off into the world, and you don't respond to the mercy of God and the dealings of God, you are not going where I'm going. You chose it. Amen. 
Praise God. These are not isolated, you know, cloudy scriptures we're pulling out of context, are they? I mean, they're just clear. They're just right there in the New Testament, black and white, for everyone there to read. Amen. So Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 24, and it says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Amen. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the habit or the manner of some, but exhorting one another, encouraging one another, so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, we are living in a very evil day, church. We're living in a very evil day, just like Matthew 24, just like the, the prophets have said, just like the New Testament says that in the day before the Lord comes, it's going to be like it was in the days of Noah. And you go back to, we're not going there, but you go back to Genesis chapter 6, you read about that day. And Noah was the only righteous family left. Everyone else had given themselves over to complete wickedness. Amen. And, And Jesus said, he said, the way it was in Noah's day, that's the way it'll be when I come. It's going to be a surprise, it's going to be a shock, and the world's going to be going to hell in a handbasket. Amen. So, you, you know, as a Christian today, you have to know the truth. You have to want the truth. You have to be willing to walk in the light of the truth. And you have to be willing to part friends. You have to be willing to separate yourself. You have to be willing to say, I'm sorry if you're going to go down that road. You may be my mommy. You may be my daddy. You may be my bubba. You may be my best friend from high school. But I am not walking down that road. I'm not walking down that road. Amen. And we're going to have to hold fast. And this is why the Bible says here in Hebrews 10, the the closer we get and the more you see this day approaching, the more we need to come together. The more we need to be committed to our gatherings together as a local church because I need your encouragement. Because I'm just like you, when I leave here, it's the world out there. And you need one, we need to encourage one another. Hey, listen, don't quit. Oh, you're, come on, you know better than that. What have you been listening to? Turn that off. Come on, keep running your race. We're going to go all the way. We're going to bust heaven wide open and we're going to see glory and angels and streets of gold. And... But if you forsake the Master, if you leave God for, for sex, for drugs, for pleasure for sensual gratification and you practice that will not matter that long time ago you said Jesus be my savior you know what Jesus said you want to know how those who really who really love me they keep my commandments that's how he said not not wearing t-shirt the people that really love Jesus they keep his commandments That's what Jesus said. He told all those disciples, he said, if you're really my friends, you'll do what I say. (laughs) Right, really. Amen. Where? Hallelujah. I didn't see this coming, but praise God. Hebrews chapter 10. So we've been reading, right? Talking about verse 25. Encourage one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, notice verse 26. Mark this verse. This is one of the most startling, uh, bone-rattling passages of Scripture along this line in the New Testament. 
Now, notice it says, for if we. What does the word we imply? Who's he writing to? He's writing to a Christian audience. But the word we, get even more specific with that. We. If I say we, faith, and me, who's included in the we? Me. Whoever, I believe it was the Apostle Paul that wrote, but, you know, it doesn't really matter. People debate about that. Some man of God wrote that, and he said, if we, meaning me, meaning the writer of the Bible, is a ta- is, he's including himself. We're not talking about sinners here. Okay, so look at this. It says, for if we sin willfully, how would you sin willfully? I have full night. I have full knowledge. I'm aware. I know. If we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. But a certain what does remain? A certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law, looking back to the Old Testament, that person dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. He didn't say of how much less. See, people have got this idea in the New Testament, the standard went down. We can do anything we want because Jesus died on the cross. So he goes back and he compares how how they were judged under the Old Testament. This verse, verse 29, says, of how much more? Worse. Worse. More severe. The punishment. Do you suppose, will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? He counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing. and insulted the Spirit of grace. For we know Him, referring to God, who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. We like to quote that. Don't we? We like to quote that. But really in the context, who's He talking about? A former son. A former daughter. God says, I'm going to take vengeance. There's nothing left. You go off into sin knowing what you're doing, and you practice that as a lifestyle, you don't have any more sacrifice for sin. The blood of Jesus isn't reaching you anymore. Is there hope for that person? They have to turn and forsake the world and forsake the way and turn back to God and grab back hold of the altar and say, Father, forgive me. And then the blood will rush in and wash it all clean. but they have to do it. Now, I'm not talking about just what we call just maybe the flesh overcame somebody and and periods of backsliding, just what we call, but this is is over the top. You know what I mean? Don't get insecure. I'm just saying this is over the top. I know what I'm doing. I'm walking away from my father. I'm walking away from my relationship with God. 
Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge what? 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 His people. His people. How's that passage in? It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Some of you, you have children, you need to pray for them. Some of you, you have grandchildren, you need to pray for them. Some of you, you got uncles and aunts, you need to pray for them. Some of them, you got brothers and sisters, you need to pray for them. I mean, we might as well go all the way with this, okay? So let's just go to Revelation 22. I referred to it earlier. Let's go to the back. Let's see how this thing winds up. Anybody kind of having their eyes open a little bit? Maybe, maybe you knew this. How many of you did not know this? Okay, so I, I'm ministering to people. Praise God. That's, I don't care. That's fine. Now, the great thing is, you know, I'm not looking to get out of the kingdom. I'm glad to be in. You know what I mean? But you just, just think about how, the, how people think out there. How many people in your fa- at your family reunion, they claim Christianity. They claim it. They don't live it. They are far, they are far, they don't live it. They do not live it. To G- Jesus is there, you know, when you get pulled over, you go, oh, where's my registration? Where is my registration? And it's, you know, I keep all my maintenance on my vehicle in my glove box. So, oh, that's not it. That's not it. Oh, my gosh. Where is my insurance card? That's how a great many Christians treat Jesus. One day they're going to die, and they're going to show up alive on the other side of their death. And they're going to be going, oh my gosh, where's my, where's my salvation card at? No walk with God, no love for Jesus, no, no, no righteousness, just sin, just, just rebellion, just wickedness, just idolatry. And what are you going to say? What are you going to say? It's too late. It's too late. Oh, Jesus. Mm-mm-mm. Praise God. Glory to God. Okay, I'm I'm having to find this. I have not this. I don't have this in my notes, and then I have a brand new Bible up here too. So, Mm-mm-mm. eighteen, he says, "Yeah." Praise God. Let's let's pick it up in verse uh, fourteen. Blessed are those who call him Savior. No, blessed are those who do his commandments, that they might have a right to the tree of life. Pastor, are you preaching salvation is based on works? No, I'm not. I'm, no, I'm not. But if you're really saved, it shows up in your life. I said, if you're really saved, it shows up in your life. I used to make fun of this whole thing, mock it. Make fun of it. I was that bored teenager up in the balcony with my, while my pastor preached. I'm there because my daddy drugged me. <laughs> I've been there. I've done that. When they do that to me, when y'all do that to me, amen, I've been there. I just, I just love on you because I was there too. Amen. amen. And I mocked it. I made fun of it and all of that. But I tell you what, after I got all the way down, to suicide. When I got all the way down to a dark hallway 
drunk and suicidal at a frat party with nowhere to go but the bottom of a bottle. And I look up and I heard the voice of God in His love and mercy reaching out to me. When I took His hand and came back into fellowship with God, from that moment, I wanted everything I made fun of. People say, I I just get bored reading the Bible. Not me. Not me. Oh, sure, we have to use discipline at times. The flesh, you know, I've got flesh too. But no, my heart, whoo, the Bible. And I love coming to church. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, you get to stand up. That's not what it's about. I fly all over the world, all over the country, spend a lot of money so I can sit where you are and, and go, oh, yes, this, yes. And have the word preached to me. I love praying. I love serving. I love helping God's people. Come on, a lot, most of you are like, just like that, right? Jesus said, you'll know a tree by what? Not by its tag, by its fruit. We're saved by grace, not by works. But if we're really saved, there's going to be fruit on our tree. At least a little bit. Right? So blessed are those who do His commandments that they might have the right to the tree of life and they may enter through the gates into the city. This doesn't talk about, what's it talk about? The only thing referenced here is obedience. Y'all aren't really amen to me, but that's all right. Praise God. May enter in through the gates into the city, but outside. Okay, who's outside the gates of the city? Dogs? Oh, I know a lot of you are disappointed. <laughs> Ain't no dogs in the city. I think he means that differently, metaphorically speaking. Bless God, my dog is going to make it. Oh, praise God. But how about this one? Sorcerers. Probably don't have any of them in here tonight. But look at the next one. Sexually immoral. You're not going in. You're not going inside the gate of the city being a sexually immoral person. Murderers. Oh, come on, I'm not a murderer. Jesus said, if you, or it's in 1 John, he said, if you look upon your brother to hate him, you hate your brother. You're a murderer. In the, in the eyes of God, that's pretty, that's pretty tough. That's what he said. Sexually immoral, murderers, here's that word again, idolaters. People who live their life with things ahead of God. And notice this, and whoever loves and practices a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bride and the morning star, and the spirit and the bride say, Come. Let him who hears say, Come. Let him who thirsts, Come. Whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things. God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life. Remember my eraser 
There it is right there. God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Revelation ends. The Bible ends. How does it end? With a stern warning. The Word is the Word. The Word says what it says. And just because the Supreme Court says homosexuality is legal, the Word is the Word. The Bible is the Bible. And all of these churches on the camping trip, we stayed at a hotel. There's a Presbyterian guy. I saw it by his T-shirt, purple T-shirt. First Church of the Presbyterian of of We're All Welcome. And, uh, you know, celebrating pride. Pride got the devil thrown out of heaven. I don't know why we'd want to celebrate pride for a month. And it had the rainbow on there and said, all welcome. That is a lie. That is adding to the word. That is twisting the word. The word does not say that. Whole denominations, whole churches, whole groups of ministers taking people to hell in waves. The Bible is the Bible and the word is the word. Amen. And as God helps me, I'm going to stand until the Lord comes. And I'm going to tell people who will listen in love the truth. The truth. Amen. I'm telling you, we're coming to the end of this thing. And and most of you, you're just absolutely right on, right-hearted with God. And, you know, praise God. But I tell you what, you know somebody. You know somebody. And we need to be bold about our witness. Bold about our witness. Noah stood alone for a hundred years. They mocked him. They made fun of him. Building a boat, building a boat, building a boat. Until the day the rain came. And he's standing in there with eight of his family. And he doesn't close the door. God closes the door behind humanity. And every single one of them were lost. I'm telling you, friends, I don't know why... I got off on this tonight, but I'm not apologizing. You need to have the slack jerked out of your chain. Uh, You know, I I endeavor to love people, but I do get irritated. People that come to me very sincerely, wanting me to agree with them for some sort of prayer, but I know they've let everybody know how they're living. I'm holding to this. I've heard you preach. I know it's in the Word. I do not care. I'm going to keep living this way. And by the way, I want you to agree with me that God will answer this prayer of mine. That just doesn't fly. It's just time to make a change. See these hands? These hands are clean. In terms of, I told, I'm telling people the truth in my ministry. I may not have 500 people in my congregation yet because I tell people the truth, maybe kind of rough and raw. But, you know, praise God. Part part of what we need to be praying about is that the darkness and the lies and the deception that so many of our fellow citizens are living under this cloud. If they died today, they really think they really 
they, they really think they're going to go up, they're going to go down. Was it you, Faith, that told the story about the African preacher? Yeah, preaching on healing blockers. That's a true story. It's an African pastor. Amen. He dropped dead. His pastor, his wife, took him to, a, I think, a Reinhardt Monkey Crusade. And they weren't going to prop him up like Weekend at Bernie's in the congregation while he's preaching, so they put him in a tent off in the side room, and they had a bunch of people go in there and pray. The guy was dead something like, I don't know, I'm going to say hours to minimize it, but I think it could have been days. It was days he was dead. He'd been embalmed, that's right. This is a miracle. So he's out of his body. He's thinking he's going up. He goes down. He goes down. Down, 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 down into the pit, down into the flames, down into hell. He's a preacher. Preaches every Sunday. Preaches the Bible. Has a congregation. And he's crying out all the way. This cannot be right. Jesus, what's going on here? No, this is not where I... No, I'm a preacher. I believe in Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I shouldn't be going down. I should be going up. I'm a pastor. I'm in the ministry. And I don't, I don't, don't hold me to it, but I don't think he saw it. But he hears this voice. He hears this voice from God. I heard you. I heard you say, after having an argument with his wife, I heard you say, I will never forgive her. Mark, you just, you just got yourself crosswise on Mark eleven twenty five. 25. When you stand praying, forgive. Forgive. If somebody irritated you, somebody bothered you, it's not worth it. You better just stop being a baby and get over it. Yeah. It's the last day people are so touchy, touchy, touchy. Better not let get that, get that touchy thing off of you. Come up here afterwards and my wife will cast that thing off of you. <laughs> Amen. Ain't nobody perfect around here. Anyway, and uh, he said, I, Jesus said, I heard you. He said, when you stand praying, forgive if you have ought against any. Because if you do not forgive people their trespasses, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. Elizabeth, can you go to heaven with unforgiven sin? How's that work? You can't go to heaven for, I don't care how many sermons you preach. You can't go to heaven with unforgiven sin. He died with unforgiven sin because he wouldn't forgive his wife over probably something stupid. You think eternity could swing on that? I'm just telling you the story. You don't have to believe it. But Mark eleven twenty five 25 says what it says. You want to roll that dice? I am not going to die with unforgiven sin. God will forgive all my foul-ups if I'll forgive other people. Maybe you ought to do that. I'm going to do it. Let heaven record tonight, afresh and anew, 826 June 30th, that Chris Cody forgives every person of everything, past, present, and future. <laughs> anyway, how do we even know about this story? The guy died. They embalmed him. Well, in, his body's in that tent. His wife won't let it go. Now, see, she's got some love, doesn't yeah. you? Yeah. Man. And 
And Jesus says to him, you know, talk about they're up there praying. And had they not been up there praying and believing, contending for your resurrection, this would be your fate right here. This would be your fate right here. When you get back to the earth and warn people about unforgiveness. And so he blinks his eyes. How would they, you're embalmed. I mean, you know, boom, there you're back. I, you know what he's doing? I, I wasn't there, but I bet he's like, where's my wife at? Isn't that right? Where is my wife at? Sweetheart. I forgive you. Thank you for praying me out of the flame. Amen. Amen. Why don't you bow your head?